The Fend, brought to you by George's Fine Meats in Cherrybrook. Welcome to the Fan. This is Series 2, Episode 25, proudly brought to you by George's Fine Meats, Cherrybrook. Horsey and Jimmy Jack with you, as always, plus a very special guest. He's a guy I've spoken to many times over the past couple of years in particular, so I thought we'd better get him on the show. It's a big welcome to Premiership winner, Origin winner, and World Cup winner, Mark Spud Carroll. Welcome to the Fan. Oh, mate, I can't believe it's taken me this long. How long to get on? What's going on? <laughs> well, Jimmy was holding it. Well, welcome to the show, Spud. Welcome to the show, Spud. It's great to have you here. And I tell you what, lucky it's radio, not television, because you've got a rough melon. You've got a very rough melon. Yeah, mate, I've got to fully agree with you, mate. Um, <laughs> people often say to me, oh, is that what they call you, Spud? I said, no, I hope so, no. But um, a lot of people out there, the reason, the reason – why I'm called Spud is because I used to eat a, a heap of potatoes before a game, not one or two. I used to eat 16 potatoes. And just had a great game of rugby league once. And Peter Flingos, he said, mate, what's your secret? Because I did 20 hit-ups, 20 tackles. But on the side, I had a sports psychologist I was working with. And we spoke about it before, mate. It's just your opportunity. And next thing, uh, back page of the Daily Telegraph, uh, me eating 16 spuds. And then when I walked into South in 1990, they said, oh, here comes uh, Spud. My and my mates is Boxhead. So yep. um, anyway, as you can see, and I've Spud's uh, kept since then. And then I'm a bit of a wanker. I had number plates made for my car. The SPUD was gone, so I made SPU double D, and they yep. were on the car for at least 20 years. Yeah, so it's not he's not called Spud because of his head, Jimmy. It's because of his yeah. pre-game diet. Mate, seriously, Jimmy, you're, you're very nasty, okay? You're nasty. Haven't you got mirrors in your place? <laughs> have, a look, have a look at his hair. If anyone needs to I open the hairdresser. It. It's fantastic. I don't think it's going to do it. This is actually my real hair. But, yeah, so this um, is my as, as, I look, as, I look like yeah, Boris Johnson. As you, as, as you get the age of uh, Gary Jack, you know, sometimes you have to get plugs. Yeah, that's right. Well, we'll have to keep have to keep you two separated. This is off to a, a fiery start now. Of course, uh, we were referring to the book Spud, the Mark Carroll story. You, you can get that at Penguin.com, Booktopia, Dimix, Big W. The list goes on. All the very best bookstores, written by a tremendous writer as well. I just can't oh. remember his name at the moment, but it's well worth a read. And um, Jimmy, have you got your copy yet, mate? Uh yeah, no, I haven't. No, I've got to be honest with you. No, you're I haven't. I was going to lie, but no, you're I haven't. No, you know, you know, hey, yeah, Horsey, you know yeah. why? Because you've got to buy it. You've got to spend money. He's <laughs> waiting for a freebie. I can't wait to read it. Uh, nah. Spud, yeah, the, the Spud, it's going to be an intriguing story from how a, 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 a Parramatta junior, how he grows up and and not wanted by a Parramatta and then picked up along the way and uh, plays for Australia. I mean, what a story. Plays at, plays at Wembley and... Kangaroo tours can't can't wait to read it. Nah, the thing is, the um, it all started uh, you know every year and a half ago with with Horsey, um, you know, saying we're going to get down and write this book. And how it happened, Gary? We, we I used to go down the where I live at Baby. There's a water's edge, so I'd go down there with a two is new in my hand, and we'd chat for an hour, <laughs> and then he'd record it, and then he'd send it yeah. back in email form, and they'd read it, and I'd send it off to my mates, and the feedback was you know, bloody great. And the main thing was how it come out. And it shows how good Adam's a writer. It actually yeah. sounds like me speaking. 
Um, yeah. That's what my mate's saying. This sounds like you're writing it. And I said, well, I'm not. That's how clever he is. But the crazy thing about it, it, it reads really, really well. Um, there's plenty of photos, which I needed in there. Um, but just the whole <laughs> process of getting a book together, finding a publisher, finding the front cover, finding yeah. the back cover, yeah. it was like it was quite tedious, but um, Adam did a fantastic job. But my favourite nice. thing is um, I was lucky enough that Russell Crowe did the forward for it. Um, I just pestered him and pestered him. I just wanted his name on it. Anyway, he's finally <laughs> done that. But my other good mate, um, a fantastic Australian actor, Wayne Blair, did the audio book. So he's had to read 95 to 100,000 words. <laughs> wow. And I, I bought it the other day. It's quite – it's mate, it's moving hearing it. It was um, it was a it was a long process. It was a lot of toing and froing, but it was also a lot of fun. It took me back to some great times, and that's what we hope the the reader gets out of it. It takes you back to the era of the eighties and nineties, where I don't know there was just a bit more of a, uh, a carefree attitude. It wasn't as censored, and there was a lot more characters in the game, and just some good fun stories. And I had a lot of t- and look while I put the the words on the paper, as Spud puts it, it was all Spud's words. I guarantee you everything in that book comes from Spud's mouth. I just rearranged it and put it in a way that flows. So uh, we're both really happy with how it come, came up. And Spud, you have been on the PR trail big time. You've spoken about your battles with Chief, the 96 Premiership, the World Cup. Uh, it's all there in the book. One thing that we haven't really spoken about during the last couple of weeks is your pre-match routine, which I think the listeners will find fascinating. When you played, you were very mm. um, fastidious. You had to have the same routine every time. Oh. Can you just take us through... Uh, when you got into the dressing sheds before each game, what went on with Mark Carroll? Yeah, well, um, Horsey, it was probably, you know, it's in, I think it's one of the chapters called Superstitions. I was really superstitious about certain things. So if I had a good game, I'd remember the whole week what I did. Day by day, what I wore, and even on game day, I'd have to wear a certain amount, a certain clothing. If I had a good game, I'd wear the black pants, red shirt, three weeks in a Rayman the match. But also, we had this one place in Maryland, and I'd, I have a certain meal, and if I had a great game, I'd go back there the next week at the same time. If someone was sitting in my chair, I'd wait till they moved. I got to a stage where I had a car spot and someone was parked in my spot. I'd wait till they, they got there. It could be an hour, right? <laughs> but, then, but to top it off, the game game time, yeah, a lot of, you know, game time, especially when you're playing, say, Paul Harrigan. Um, my dad, he never, used, he never played footy, but he always ring up and say, get the first shot in, and then just hang up. Well, there'd be no other words. That get the first shot in, hang up. Then mum rings up. My mum's only five foot tall, and she goes, "Mark, have a good game, but please don't hurt anyone." And this is my build up to the game. Bozo's negative, Tubi's negative, Beaver's negative, Kosov's negative. Chief's going to bash her. But my my procedure was always: I sit in a certain position. Every ground, I had a certain position. And um, yeah, I don't know what Gary was like, mate, but I always put the uh, the left sock on, right sock, all that sort of thing. But I'd always make sure my jersey was the last piece of armour to put on. And I, I, knew, I had these shoulder pads used to get put in by the sheriff. Remember the sheriff? Yep, and he, yep. And he'd put these uh, these two-millimetre bloody pads. They would do nothing, but it just felt like I had shoulder pads because Bozo wouldn't let me wear headgear, took my bloody shoulder pads away from me. So I had to put these things in for shoulders. But I had a certain area where I'd hang my jersey, or they'd hang my jersey. And when I'd come out, I'd have a routine. I'd splash water on myself like bloody Tarzan. i look. In the mirror, going, come on, you can do this. And I look for my jersey and think about blokes like Hopawati and, and Hancock for their relaxed time. And this their this their relaxed time. They'd see me going ape shit, trying to find where my jersey was. They'd hide it. That was their that was their way of relaxing for a game. And 
<laughs> I was absolutely ridiculous, mate. I'd always be number five going out of the tunnel and um, – and then yeah, but you terrify you, you, Spud. You would terrify the sheriff or whoever was in there by saying "Jersey, yeah. Jersey," oh, and they'd have to bring me. it to you ninety seconds before kickoff. Yeah, but uh, also, yeah, you just think about you know neatness. I'd always make sure my jersey was tucked in, and yep. and always have my collar. Remember that back the years they used to have those collars. I used to get the collar yep. wrapped in. Well, mate, you see the jerseys these days. God, imagine playing rugby league now in those jerseys and showing your big fat guts off all the time. It'd be embarrassing. <laughs> Jimmy, did you yeah. ever did you have a pre-match routine, Jimmy? Uh, mate, I was look, I was I was religious to what I did, and, and this is not without being boring. But every every game we played, I would go down the park at, at ten o'clock. I would kick a ball around for half an hour, um, yeah. and then I would come back have a shower, and then I'd go to the game. And I did this every week for you know for fifteen years. That was my yeah. pre-game routine. I never missed, and so yeah. that's what I did. Yeah, did you, pretty did you boring. Take, did you take Donna down the oval and get her to chase the ball? Or uh, she did early on when she was trying to impress me. Yeah, she, she'd uh, <laughs> she'd put a few put a few bombs up to me, but then as as I got a bit older, she couldn't catch the bombs, and so we had to leave her at home. But it was uh, that was my pre-game routine. Spud, when you were out there, did you um before the game were you a dry reacher? You got yourself that worked up that you were you were vomiting? Shocking. 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 Yeah, never, never, shocking. Never, never brought anything up. Um, yep. It's just the adrenaline. If, if, if people listening oh. out there, well, it, it just, it just regurgitates. It's, it's just nervous energy, Gary. Yeah. It's just, it was, uh, and I, I think I got better at the end of the, my career, but I wish I learned about the nervous energy before all that happened. Because like sometimes Tuesday night, I'll be sleeping and I'll be running hit ups and be sleeping. I wake up all out of the sweat. And by the time I get the game day, I'm absolutely buggered. But, um, I, but every game, was I nervous? Every game I was nervous. And they say, if you're not nervous, you're not ready. So yeah. um, I didn't let anyone down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, you, you never did. But so that was your way of of 100% Mark Carroll. That's what you did every time you played. There was never never a, a go slow button, was there? No. No, I never go slow button. Um, but the thing is, it's crazy how other teams watch your ritual, right? So they hear about the the uh, they hear about the, uh, the dressing room scenes. But my other thing was... I'd always go out number five. I'd never run through the cheerleaders. And I remember one time Monique had a cheerleaders there and I, I always duck off before it and there was a big Gatorade bottle. I'd done the old jumped over and nearly fell over that. And I always got the 20, for some reason, mate, always got the 22-metre line. I'd pick grass up. I'd throw it in the air to see which way the wind was going and then I'd do like three really high jumps, like a knee, knee, knee under my belly. Um, yep. I did that for my whole career, and I used to get the camp in Australia and New South Wales. The blokes would be going, "Who's this?" and they throw grass in there and then start jumping. Um, <laughs> they've got nothing else to do, mate. <laughs> uh, they're great memories, and they're all in the book. We won't give away too many more stories, no. otherwise, uh, no one will buy the bloody thing. So, uh, but it was a great, <laughs> a lot of fun doing that with Spud. And um, looking forward to your book, Jimmy. That's coming out uh, pretty soon, huh? We'll get together and <laughs> put a few chapters together. The life of time, yeah, Jimmy. Adam, Jack. Um, as I've been, I've been saying this in my sleep, so it's penguin.com.au. Yep. That's yeah. penguin.com.au. What a salesman. Hey, let's, ah, talk about some, uh, let's talk about some on-field matters now. Hey, the Storm, they equaled the all-time record of 19 straight wins. That was held by East in 1975 when they beat the Gold Coast 34-20 on the weekend. Jimmy, do you remember the Chooks of 75? What were they oh, like? Oh, oh, look, heck, I've got to tell you, I was – I was a Ronnie Coote fan, right? So I, I was a lock forward when I was a young fellow, like 12 or 13. And then Ronnie Coote 
went to go play for the Roosters in 74, 74. So then I became a Roosters fan. So <laughs> I was there as a Roosters fan in 75. I've got wow. a picture of me as a 14-year-old wearing my Ronnie Coote Eastern Suburbs jersey. So I remember like it was yesterday. Who are the unlucky souls standing in the way of this record 20th straight win? Well, of course it is my Eels. So, Spud, uh, Mm. what hope do you give Parramatta of springing an upset? Well, you did send me a question, some of the questions that were coming through, and I thought you were just... You're practicing to be our stand-up comic because that is laughable <laughs> that they can beat <laughs> that they can beat the uh, Melbourne Storm. Um, mate, hey, news flash: well, Parramatta's already beaten Melbourne this year. Yeah, but mate, well, it's coming up to the business end of the season, mate. This is the time of year you want to play rugby league. But these guys, Parramatta, mate, the start of the year they'll they'll handing out bruises. Okay, now they're handing out band aids, mate. They don't hit hard enough anymore. They're missing Campbell Gillard with a silly moustache, right? But at the end of the day, the guy I call the Energizer Man, the Energizer Man needs to jam some bloody double D batteries, new ones from Energizer, stick them in there, run from the back fence and start leading the way. That's that's the Nathan Brown. Yeah. But I want someone belting them in the middle, mate. Like, Paulo's a ball player. You're kidding, are you? Go forward and belt someone. Because yeah. they've got some great outside backs. But as you can see by the way they're playing, they're not bending the line. And they're up against the Melbourne Storm, mate. The Melbourne Storm, what they do, right? Sure, they're going to be resting players. But they get to go to cupboards, and they've got their own drones of every player. Every player they've got a double for, and they they go, okay, we're missing the hook. We'll put another hooker in. We'll put number number ten in. Put another ten in, and mate, they end up beating you. Yeah, it's a bottomless pit of talent that Craig Bellamy has, but he, he's built all those players yeah. up himself, hasn't he? It's interesting what you say about Nathan Brown. Yeah, he's been down in form, Nathan Brown. I reckon he needs a bit of a, a spell because uh, he's been dropping a lot of footy, and it probably comes back to what you're saying, the fact that he's he's not thinking run first. He's thinking, oh, should I pass? What should I do here? And he's put down yeah. a lot of footy lately. Yeah, but also I think also your, your fullback, um, Gutherson, on his day is magic, but I think since he's taken that silly hairstyle he had off, it's like uh, Samson losing his hair, but I, I just think internally there's something going on there, man. I just can, I just think with the dramas of this so-called contracts and all this other stuff that's going around, there's more than what we know of happening at Parramatta. And Gaz, what did you do? You think Parramatta's back after that 32 to 16 win over the Cowboys? No, mate. That mate, no. They're uh, mate. The Cowboys have lost their last ten. Seriously, come on, let's get fair income. Like Parramatta's <laughs> going backwards, you know. Um, they've lost Sivo. Uh, you know, it's okay to be the, the biggest and toughest bloke out there when the, the side you're playing against has you know, lost their last 10. They're struggling. Uh, and Parramatta, yeah, well, they had, they had a win. They've lost their last four beforehand. So um, Mitchell Moses, yeah, look, he, he played well. He played well, Mitchell. But it's, it Spud's right. It's the forwards where it's won. And their blokes just aren't – they're just not putting their bodies on the line. And that's where they're falling down. I don't know whether to think about all the money they're making or think about the girls or think about what whatever, but their minds aren't on the feet. Their minds are elsewhere rather than Parramatta winning the freaking competition for the first time since 86 because it's going to be another year gone by. Um, and that, that they won't have – they're 150 to 1 to make the, to make, win the premiership now and they're coming, what, six? They're 150 to 1. It's, it's – it's, Embarrassing. Well, I reckon I reckon they can do it this weekend. And uh, I remember a game back in 1993 when the Broncos opened their new home ground in Brisbane, ANZ Stadium. They had 55,000 people there. They were the defending premiers, the Broncos. No one gave the Eels a chance. And Mickey Butner and the boys got them home 12-8 in a massive boil over. So I'm thinking that uh, they could take some inspiration from some of those uh, upsets of the past and get the job done. Horsey, 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 <laughs> mate, you need to get a HIA. 
okay? HIA, the closest they're going to get to win is probably winning the toss. Yeah, and, and they'll probably want best two out of three because they'll lose that. Yeah. <laughs> this is our yeah, I, I just also get I just get a little bit disappointed. I, I like um, Arthur as a coach, right? But I just, he comes out. He was like the riddle the other day. He was talking riddles. I just couldn't work out, work out what was going on. He's blaming this. He's blaming oh, they're not happy with the rooms. At the end of the day, you're the coach. Lead from the front. Yeah. And if the players aren't doing the job, mate, yeah. put them on the bench and put someone in there who wants to play for the Parramatta side. But the thing is there, Spud, Arthur has not done it before as a player or as a coach. So he doesn't know what to expect because he's never been in that situation. That's where I think that is the major problem. Yeah. Anyway, well, we should uh, focus on the positives and Parramatta will be playing finals footy, unlike your Tigers, Jimmy, who uh, again collapsed against the Sharks 50-20. to 20. Their season was on the line in beautiful Rockhampton and they just surrendered. And they have a habit of doing this when uh, a big game presents itself where they have to lift to make the finals or honour Tommy Radonikus, whatever the occasion may be. The Tigers have a history of letting down their fans and they've done it again in this one. Uh, what did you make of it? Mate, it was 10th versus the Sharks, 10th. We're coming 14th. We had everything to play for. You know, we'd won three games in a row. And they didn't have Fafita. He wasn't playing. But it was like a it was like a feeding frenzy for the Sharks. That's what it was like. Um, we had a really good start to the game, scored after five minutes. They had it all to play for. You're playing for the yeah. top eight, an opportunity to be the top eight. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I've never seen a team drop so many loose balls. Brooks forward pass. Mamalo can't even play the ball properly. Walters loses the ball. Bloody forward pass by the, from the dummy half. Just simple, basic errors. They just capitulated. Uh, I think it was 16 forward half time. But what was probably upset me was is that uh, Ronaldo come through the middle of the ruck there. Yeah. He beat four blokes, and that's the that's that's your yeah, that's your middle of the ruck is where it all begins. And he he beat four blokes and. And then throws the dummy. Emboy goes for the dummy. Like Emboy's just got no idea at fullback, um, <laughs> and and they just carved us up. It was that was only sixteen forward half time. We've gone backwards as a team. Seriously, um, yeah, very disappointed uh, uh, in in the guys the way they played, and you know, um, you know, yeah, Jimmy, ten years, another, yeah. another year without making the playoffs. Jimmy, the one thing that really stood out for me, and you would never have allowed it to happen in your day, both of you, was I think it was Mulatalo twice crossed in the corner and was allowed to run all the way around and score under the post. And all these Tigers yeah. players just had hands on hips. They couldn't care less. That was a shocker. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah. I, I think, um, you know, they've been, that show they've had on, I think about two episodes, maybe three. I've been so disappointed in the West Tigers. I, I do a little bit of, with Madge, by, just by a text message, just to keep him pumped up because... I feel so disappointed in this guy. We've got a coach here who wants it will die for his players. I don't see enough players wanting to die for their coach. You now the yep. good coaches in the game, the Bellamy's, the uh the Robinsons and and and, and blokes like yeah, Wayne Bennett, they'd look at a brick wall like Bob Fulton, he'd say, run through that brick wall, and I'd say, How big you want the hole? These other blokes, mate, they wouldn't run through paper. They <laughs> are just so soft through the model. And what annoys me. Jimmy, is that these guys, oh, mate, we, we have to do this and that and, and look in the mirror. Mate, go and do your bloody job. You paid unbelievable money. What the money some of these clowns are on, right? They don't, yep. they don't put their body on the line. No, um, exactly. Sure that, uh, Moses come out and saying, oh, look, I'm, I'm moving on. Mate, there's quite a few others that should look in the mirror and say, I'm not doing the job here to get me out of here because I, I, I'll tell you this little 
it's not. It's, oh, it's an amazing little story. I, I had to get up early once, and I was on. I was in the car at four o'clock in the morning, and the West Tigers had played that night, and I didn't see the game. Anyway, I remember I went on Fox, double click, and I see down the videos, and there's um, you know Madge in a press conference, and they've zoomed in, and he's smiling. Went shit, they've won a game, you know. So it's four o'clock in the morning, so I sent him a text, Madge. Great to wake up and see your smiling face in the press box. Congratulations. He then sends me a text, Jimmy, at 4.20. Yep. But they did well, the boys. He's everything's about the boys, the boys, the boys doing well. They're learning the game, blah, blah. And I said, mate, what are you doing up? He said to me, sleeping is cheating. Yeah, We're talking about who, who, who lives for rugby league 24 hours a day. And I think this show that, and no doubt you would have seen it, mate, it's got mm. nothing to do with um, the way you guys play when you're, when you're um, the Tigers. Like, you guys were so tough through the middle. You left with bruises. You, you got scared to play the Tigers. Mate, no one gets scared running at the, at the West Tigers. Yeah, no one. No, that's 100% right. You know, they, they brought these blokes here who are going to be the, the mature players and lead by example, like Tamo and Packer Please. and Please. Lu, Luai. And, uh, what's his name? Luai and Reynolds, all these senior blokes. Like, they're just not putting in. They just no. don't put their bodies on the line. And look, no. Adam Dewey, give me 13 Adam Deweys. Every week, yeah. I'm happy with that because I know they'll win a game for me. And he's yeah. a young kid of, what, 21 years of age. He has a go. He has a crack. You know, um, yeah. the Tigers were just, just an embarrassment. Yeah. You know. Bad news, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, Dewey's out this week, too, against Penrith. He's got a knee. Oh, on. no. Yeah. That's not correct. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, I saw uh, Maguire sitting out in an open coach's box at Rockhampton. It had me a little bit worried because, as Spud said, he's been appearing on the Wild West Tales from Tigertown, which is a great documentary wow. on Fox League. You should have a look. But uh, let's be honest, Maguire's language in the documentary would make oh. a wharfy blush. It's, um, it's fantastic. It's pretty blue. Uh, so I was worried for the crowd there at Rockhampton as to what they might hear. It got me thinking as to some of the coaches you guys had over the years. Was uh, someone – Prolific with the uh, the uh, profanities, or or conversely, was there someone who just never swore? Oh, I've got yeah, to, I've got to say, actually, I, I I interviewed Madge last week for a radio station I was doing something with, and I asked him, "Have you got a swear jar at home?" <laughs> and he goes, "Mate, my <laughs> daughter won't speak to me. Like she probably can't believe it." But that's just <laughs> passion coming through. Did I have a coach? Um, Oh, mate, it has to be Tom Radonikus. Um, he was just, and that was hilarious when he used to do a, do a speech because I don't think he had any idea what he was saying, but he certainly had a plenty uh, plenty of expletives. But Bozo was straight in the line. He never really, um, the biggest word he'd call you was a goose. You're a goose. You're a goose. <laughs> yeah. That was a, yeah. that was a king. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, I, had, I, I didn't have a coach over here, like Ron Ryan, not, not really. Uh, Alan Jones, well, no, Alan. Not definitely. Yeah. Alan Jones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, top of the ground, young man. You're on top of the ground. You'll be, you'll be in first grade this week. Uh, well, AJ, yeah, AJ. He, he didn't swear. He didn't swear, AJ. Um, uh, Frankie Stanton, nah, they didn't swear. I did, I did have a coach over in England called Kevin Bloody Ashcroft. Oh, my, my God. He was an English coach. He played for Wigan. He coached us at Salford. And... Uh, Different, they have a different grasp of the word over there. It's not, it, it's pronounced fork. So, fork, fork, fork. There was forks going everywhere. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. But uh, the, the, the pommies have a great grasp of not only that word, but other words as well, which I've never heard before. It'd make your hair curl. 
I have a surprising contender, actually. Uh, I was in a trial match at Brookvale once, and I could just hear constant expletives. And he's actually a really nice guy, one of the good guys at Rugby League. Uh, Peter Sharp, who was coaching the Northern Eagles at the time, and he was just tearing into his team, who uh, weren't playing particularly well at the time. Uh, yeah, South Sydney, their 10-game winning streak uh, was ended by the Panthers, 25-12, who've reminded everyone they are back in business, and they still have Brian Toto and James Fisher-Harris to return from injury. Uh, South, their discipline went right out the window, some crazy stuff, uh, some senseless penalties from Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds, but they did lead 12-0, and it was a simple turnover from Tom Burgess when South were on the attack leading 12-0 that really swung the game. Momorowski came up with some magic and then Cleary took over. Uh, you'd have to say the Panthers are really back in town. Yes, definitely. I thought that the, the Panthers, um, well, the Bunnies actually started really well, what, to lead 12-0 uh, early on in the game. Uh, then they sort of, they just relaxed uh, and let the, let the Penny Panthers back into the game. Momorowski was superb on, on the wing there, setting up two tries. But Nathan Cleary, his kicking game was off off the park. Not only was he his pressure games by repeat sets and stuff like that, but his bombs were just like in another another planet. Which which yeah, poor old uh, the, the winger Mansell he didn't recover and Latrell didn't want to go for him. So that really swung the momentum back to the Panthers' way, and they just didn't allow uh, Cody Walker to play his normal game. They pressured him from inside out and. Um, he didn't know what to, he was frustrated. He had a very frustrated game, and uh, not he's a star on that left hand side. But uh, they worked him out, and for a very you know they scored twenty five points to nil at the after leading. Uh, this is this is Penrith scored twenty five points to nil there to, to win the game twenty five twelve. But very undisciplined by the bunnies, um, which would be a concern for Coach Bennett. Yeah, Jimmy, how do you reckon you go under one of those bombs they pull up these days? <laughs> yeah, catch it, no problem. Mate. No, no, problem. no, the, no, the no the, 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 it's amazing how many uh, the flow like back when we were playing, mate. Oh, the old leather steed. Remember the steed and footies? But I just think the way you look at the South and the uh, and the uh, Panthers, the way that game was. Sure, they came out the blocks fast for twelve nil or whatever it was. But the game goes for eighty minutes. You can't make mistakes. I, I, I really, I think the intensity picked up to semi final like intensity, which. It's going to happen in three weeks. Um, yeah, that was it. That was our first taste of state of origin intensity. But you got to think of the Panthers. They had um, Pangai Junior coming off the bench for his first run. He he looked stale. He hadn't played footy for four weeks. You know his lines were different, but he's going to add a difference. But mate, I'm missing that bloody Fisher Harris. Imagine if he could play for Australia. Yeah. What a front yeah. rower he is. He just he's I mean, a demolition yeah. man. He just runs so hard. He hurts people just looking at him. And they bash South. They really bash South in that second half. And, and as you mentioned, Spard, some of the high kicks from uh, Cleary were just uncatchable. You could ask Latrell mm-hmm. Mitchell and Josh Mansour. That, they had a, yeah. a shocker back there. In fact, I reckon Latrell was happy to yeah. let Josh Mansour try and catch them. And uh, poor old Josh had a shocking time. And at one point, he put his arms up going, why are you leaving this for me? Uh, Jimmy, yeah. when, you, when you lose confidence through the course of a game like that under the high ball, how do you get it back? I mean, because they're going oh, to keep peppering you, aren't they? It's a nightmare because, you know, you're out there by yourself. There's no one with you. You can't leave for someone else. It's for you to try and to defuse the bomb. Um, yeah, certainly they float differently now than what they, they did because they did the floating bombs. Um, teams have just got to – they've just got to support. They've just got to get under the ball and you've just got to back yourself because uh, if you let it bounce once, they'll pepper you all day and it's a, just a downhill slippery slide um, 
at fullback, you've got no one with you and you just got to do your best. So it's, it's you just got to put yourself in that situation where you can catch it. You don't have to leave the ground. You're best to stay on the ground because once you get airborne, the chances are even less that you'll take it. Um, and just, yeah, and hang on. But uh, Latrell, and under pressure, Latrell and Mansour, well, Mansour won't be there this week. You know, it, it did exploit uh, Latrell for, for he, some of his weaknesses under the high bomb. Someone who took a really good catch was uh, Bulldogs winger Jaden Ockenbore. I don't know if you saw that one, but it was a great kick from Lockel Lewis. Uh, the game was gone, but uh, Ockenbore somehow reeled it in and, and planted it down just, what, millimetres before the uh, dead ball line. Yeah, you know, it's like the athleticism of these wingers these days. Like now that they can, you know, take, take, you don't, you're not out if you hit the corner post. Um, so the, the way they can talk their body around, but that wasn't contortion. That was an amazing catch. Um, you know, millimetres from the uh, dead ball on uh, how he got that down, but it's crazy. Um, they, they just know where the distance is. They're quite incredible to watch these wingers these days. Yeah, and the ball the skill, now they're all about six foot six and they can all jump about six foot high. Uh, you've got that millimetres inside the dead ball line. Yeah, uh, just once again, just a fantastic, uh, fantastic wingers in the game. And the Bulldogs, uh, they're confirmed though, as Wooden Spooners for 2021 going down at 22 to 16 of the Knights. Uh, and great news, Doggies now are up against Manly with Tommy Turbo back in the ranks after recovering from that cheekbone injury. Last time these two sides met, it was 66 to nil. Spart, if you're Trent Barrett, how do you avoid a similar hammering? Do you revisit that game? Do you watch the tape again? Oh, you have to, but you got to with them, mate. you got to start fast. you got to go for the full 80 minutes, but unfortunately they haven't got the cattle. They, um, I think that Luke Thompson's out. Mate, a couple of uh, couple of suspensions over the weekend. Like, seriously, these match review committees, I think Clemmer gets one week for – he got tackled by Thompson. He was pushing him off, trying to get off. If he hit the, if you hit someone in the chin, you're going to get a reaction. The bloke Thompson stood up in front, waiting for him to play the ball. He got, he got one week for that, and Thompson – these players that keep turning their back into someone else, and how do they not get the crusher? How do they stop getting the crusher? It wasn't a bloody crusher, and, and the Bulldogs don't need players missing. Um, but it's just great to see, yeah, Tommy's back. He'll be good with his, uh, for his confidence. Uh, there's any cheekbone, any facial, it's always, it always takes a little bit to get your uh, confidence that way. But their forwards, um, I think Sipley's back this week. I know I've just been talking to Sean Kepi, gets out of, Quarantine tomorrow. He had a new baby. He had to go up there, see the baby born. He's been in quarantine for uh, for two weeks. So, um, I gave him something to chase on the roll machine, um, as in numbers, and he just he just sent them through just then. So um, he went okay. okay and it's time now to uh, bid farewell to the great uh, Spud Carroll, who's uh, been good enough to join us, but he does have other commitments. He's a very busy man. Spud, thanks for your time today. Penguin.com.au and we're going to give away a book real soon. And the question, the question is, which suburb did Mark Carroll first call home? So you need to send the correct answer to thefendhj at gmail.com. First correct answer wins. Any clues, Spud? Uh, it's out west. <laughs> That'll do. That's, that's a it's an LGA. A hotspot. There's a hot spot there at the moment, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, mate, we'll let you go. Thanks for that. See mate. Thanks, Thanks bud. Jimmy. See you, mate. Yeah, Thanks, Aussie. Yeah, and just repeating, so the first correct answer wins Spud, the Mark Carroll story. And, Jimmy, you, you would have come to grips with Spud uh, during your career or did you leave him to Blocker and Co? Oh, no, I come to him quite a few times up to 
92, so probably for about four years I would have played against him as a young bloke coming through at South Sydney. Um, and then um, at, uh, at Manly, um, I just left him for block. Like He didn't get in the clear too often where I had to tackle him. <laughs> zero, zero and um, a block would normally look after him up front. So it was always 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 a hundred percent. I always gave I never gave less than a hundred percent when he played, and that's probably his greatest asset that you knew when you put Spud on that he would he would never he'd never let you down. He would never consciously, you know, uh, he, he wouldn't make a mistake. He'd, he'd always be try. In fact, he may have even tried too hard. Just what he was talking about there, how he used to be get himself upset and sick and that sort of stuff. He probably. Just couldn't control his um, emotions, which probably yeah makes it difficult. But uh, he was a hundred percent, and I love I love love him as a character. Yeah, he's a wholehearted player. He gave everything he had, yes. and he had to actually transform his game because he was a five eighth as a junior. He used to love throwing the cutout passes and chip kicks and all that business. He had to cut that out of wow. his game and just put the head down and smash into the opposition. Now he's it a is five eight. <laughs> yeah, well, him and MG used to wear the number six jerseys in juniors. They used to go head to head. Uh, we saw how they both turned out as firebrand forwards. Jimmy's code word time, 10% off your next order from George's Fine Meats, Cherrybrook, and the boys there, led by Wayne. They are doing a terrific job during lockdown here in Sydney, keeping everyone well fed, tastes very good too. Jimmy can testify to that. What's your uh, code word for this week? The code word for this week is gay guy. Gay guy. Gay guy. Well, okay, yeah. where, where have you plucked him from? Why gay guy? Well... He uh, he played well. He played very well on the weekend for the Bunnies, um, scoring a lot of tries. I think he scored try 11 or 12 for the weekend. And um, he's been a, a good player for a number of years, and I've always uh, liked the way he's played. Okay, fair enough. There it is, Gagai. He is the code word uh, for this week's show. Duck down there to Georgia's Fine Meats, Cherrybrook. One thing I wanted to mention to you just yeah. off the top of the head is that I did notice on the weekend that that the referee in that, that South Penrith game, uh, when Mark Nichols was offside from the kick and the referee called him offside when he got within 10 metres of the ball, um, which was a penalty I have never seen before. It was downtown. I've never seen a penalty like it. When the guy was ahead of the kicker, he's got there, the guy's lost the ball he's, and he's been penalised. I've had to come back to where he was, back to the other side where the ball was kicked from. I just hope the bunker's not having... Too much involvement in the game. That's what concerns me. Yeah, that's a rule from uh, yesteryear, that one, the downtown rule. I haven't used it for a long yes, time. But it, but it has come back in. I've noticed a few actually this year, Jimmy. They seem to be digging up some of these penalties. And really, Mark Nichols did nothing different to what every other player does, which is set off uh, ahead of the kicker and get downfield. On this occasion, there was a turnover which uh, landed in his lap and he, he fed it on and South's Looked like they were going to uh, mm. run away and score, but uh, the referees called it back uh, as a bit of a badge of honour. They, they've picked up these ones. I think they do get a bit nitpicking, the referees, and I really hope that doesn't continue or it will be Rugby Union shortly that will be playing. That's right. And, and, I, and I hope, and I probably suppose we'll never know, I hope it was the referee's decision. It wasn't someone in his ear telling him what to do because if they do, if they are, if they are in their ears, which they haven't told us they are, um, that would be a big concern for me coming towards these bigger games, that could swing a big game. Whatever the referee sees, they should just play that, unless, of course, you know, obviously a try, you can go back and check that. But those situations, uh, I hope the bunker just keeps well out of it. Well, what are they trying to achieve here? Do they want all the chasers actually behind the kicker? Or do they want the kicker to put all the chasers on side? Is that what we're trying to achieve here? They, if they want that, they need to really let everyone know no. so they can adjust their games. Because, as I said, no. Nichols didn't seem to do anything differently to every other game. 
Uh, I don't know what they were doing, mate. It was it was nitpicking, is what it was. Uh, and the bunnies got smashed uh, eleven penalties to that game, and you know it it wasn't a good it wasn't a good look. Eleven two, and 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 that was a penalty that hasn't been around for a long time, as we said. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to see if they use it again this year because every team does it every week. Yeah. Every week you can penalise sides for being in front of the kicker. So we'll see if it comes about again. Yes, we sure will. Now, here's something I haven't said for a long time, and that is Anthony Milford, man of the match on the weekend against the Warriors. 24-22, they won that one at Suncorp Stadium, the Broncos. Uh, Warriors scored five tries to four, but uh, Reese Walsh's kicking was right off. Uh, Milford, you know, it was the Milford of old, and I think the Rabbitohs would have been rubbing their hands together because they get him next year. Do you see him resurrecting his career at Souths, and where would you play him? Did you see him at seven or six or utility? Um, yeah, that, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I think, look, Wayne Bennett, you know, is, is, a, is a master coach. He's, he's coached for 40 years. If anyone's going to get the best out of Milford, it's going to be Wayne Bennett. Yeah, but he's gone, Jimmy. Um, Don't forget, he's gone. Bennett leaves I, at the end of the year. So, I, so it's Jason Demetriou next year. Yeah. Jason so Bennett will have nothing. He'll have nothing to do with him. Well, Demetrio well, is going to be in for a tough season if he thinks he can turn Milford around. I, I think it really takes a lot of experience there to, to turn players. Like he's um, he's a chronic offender and he's lost his confidence. And uh, yeah, he played well on the weekend. You know, the Warriors um, they're a bit up and down too. Uh, I think he likes just that open ad lib footy, not much structure that suits him. Um, there's a lot of points scored on that game, what, 24-22. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. But I think um, it's going to be difficult for him, mate. I think it's going to be difficult. Yeah, well, there's no Reynolds, of course, because he's going to the Broncos. So there is an opening there, although they do have youngster Black Taff there at the Rabbitohs. So I'd probably see Milford maybe as a shock weapon off the bench. Now, the NRL yeah. held interviews uh, with three prospective Brisbane expansion teams this week. Maybe Wayne Bennett's heading there. Uh, it's about time they have a second Brisbane team, Jimmy. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, I, I've I've just been scratching my head for years. The fact that we've allowed the AFL to have the same number of teams representing Southeast Queensland as rugby league. I mean, it wasn't that long ago we were all saying Brisbane's the home of rugby league, and yet we only have one team there, which means one game every yeah. fortnight, which means every second week there's no game there for the home of rugby yeah. league. That's a farce. So finally, we're yeah. addressing it. We're going to have another team there. In 2023, it'll either be the Jets, the Firehawks, or the Dolphins. Granted, the Dolphins are ahead of the pack in terms of getting that license. We'll see uh, down the track. Now, if you were hired as CEO, who would you sign first? Because you would think you would think a new club needs a marquee signing to get sponsors, to get fans interested. Who would you throw the checkbook at? Uh, Tom Travojevic. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Simple, simple. He's a superstar. Tom Travojevic, he's only, what, 25, 26 years of age. He's a superstar. Uh, has been for a couple of years. Yeah, so he'd be my first marquee player. The kids love him. He's got a great style about him, a great attitude, um, very respectful. Not only can he play, but, yeah, Mark as a marquee player, oh, he's just going to bring so much attention to the team. Everyone, like, I'm not a Manly fan, but I just want to see him play. So I just click on to watch Tommy. You know, yeah, so I- lots of people feel like me. Yeah, everything you said I agree with, except except he's not a Queenslander. And what, well, another thing is I don't think he'd ever leave the Northern Beaches. I think he's manly for life and he's yeah. he's a New South Welshman. And I think for a Queensland team, maybe they want a Queenslander 
as their marquee signing. I, I'm thinking Cameron Munster. He's a premiership winner. He's played at the top level. Probably comes off contract. I'm not sure off the, off the top of my head, but he'd be off contract in the next year or two, I would have thought. Uh, he might be a good fit for that new Brisbane team, Cameron Munster. He yeah, wouldn't be okay. too old. He'd probably be late 20s by then. Get a few good yeah. years out of him to get the team up and running. But, um, yeah, I think yeah. I'll look, be looking for a Queenslander myself. Okay. Well, if, if we're going down the Queenslander model, Kalen Ponga comes straight to yeah. mind. Yeah. Uh, he can play 5'8". He can play um, uh, fullback, uh, dynamic step, a la Benji step. Um, and uh, he's uh, he's also in the prime of his career. If he went to a, uh, dare I say it, he, he makes Newcastle. Uh, without him, they're a very average team. So someone like him, you could build a team around him for the next uh, next five years, Kalen Ponga. Fend at the end time, and uh, I'm going to join you, Jimmy, in uh, critiquing the referees from that South Penrith game. Poor old Josh Mansour. <laughs> he started the game well, but he had a horror finish to the match, and it, it actually came to an end when he tried to catch a high ball, got driven back. He caught it on the bounce and got driven back into the mm. end goal. His knee buckled, which has put him out probably for the season. And in doing so, he copped a set of knees in the head, which opened him up. And he felt yeah. bloodied. He had to leave the field for that as well. Uh, I, I want to ask the question, what's the difference between accidental contact with the head, with your with your knees, as opposed to your shoulder or arms? Because there wasn't even a penalty for that incident, yet he got hit in the head by a set of knees. I can't remember who it was at the time, but it was clear as day. It was an accident. Sure, it was an accident, yeah. but so is a lot of high tackles, yeah. and yet there was no penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, you good point there. And there, there was lots of accidental contact, and it's, it's. There's no action taken. So, you know, I suppose if you wanted to penalise every time there was contact, whether it be accidental or intentional, there'd be a lot of penalties in the game, wouldn't there? There'd be a lot of penalties in the game. Yeah, if we're consistent. Yeah, if we're consistent. Yeah, if we're consistent. Yes. About contact, hit, hit contact someone in the head. Um, and that was quite a forceful blow, even that was accidental. Um, yep. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a tough one. Um, I haven't got the answer, but, but I think that's just the referee's discretion uh, to let it go. But, yeah, it certainly opened him up, mate. It, it was a nice cut. Um, yeah, very nice cut. Yeah, uh, all the um, mm. Penrith boys got around Joshy Mansour at the end of the game and looked after him. He's a former teammate of theirs, of course, which was nice to see. But, yeah, sad end uh, to Mansour's first season at the Rabbitohs. I- I'll tell you another, another thing that's sort of um, is on my on my nerve, my go a bit here is the weaker teams are being rewarded for the top eight. Um, you know, it was a it was a sixteen team competition when we had a top five, and then we went to twenty teams, and now we've come back to sixteen. It should get back to a top five. We've got far too many teams in the top eight. We don't need eight teams um, if there's only sixteen teams playing. Yeah, I completely agree with you. The funny thing is, and we spoke about this last week, was the fact uh, you go back to 2018, the Warriors made the top eight with a record of 15-9 and win-loss, which is a great record. That's a quality that's a great record. That's a quality record. But then you get to this year, the eighth-place team will have a record no better than 11-13, and 13, which is an inferior record. That's a mediocre team. That's a bad season. If you said you're going to win 11 out of 24 games, that's, that's average. That's really bad. Yeah, they're going to be playing finals footy, but... What do you do? It just fluctuates year on year. It does allow a team like Cronulla or the Gold Coast maybe to sneak in and, and be a potential fairy tale team. But uh, look, I don't see them going much past the, the first week. Um, yeah. I th- they're just, I they're think just too far off the pace. 
Yeah, they, they're, t- they're not going. They're not going to make it. Like they're being rewarded for. Oh, we've made the playoffs. We've made the. Uh, but when we did go from twenty teams, it was a top eight. Now we've gone back to sixteen. It was and back in nineteen ninety four. It was it was a it was a top five, and it should go back to a top five. I really think that's the the right thing to do. But it, obviously, look, the powers to be. There's too much money involved here. They're not going to listen to us. But I think it it just glosses over that these teams that make the top eight. Oh, we've had a successful year. When really they haven't had a successful year because they've 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 lost more games than they've won. So how can yeah, that be a successful yeah. year? The NRL's argument has always been, oh, it keeps the interest in the competition for longer, the fact that there are so many teams still yeah. vying for the eighth spot. But my argument against that is that fans aren't fooled. You, you know if your team's playing like bustards, and they know. Fans, Dragons fans know that their team isn't going any good. Tigers fans know they're not going any good. If the Dragons and Tigers played next week, even in Sydney, yeah. they'd be flat out getting half the stadium full at Leichhardt mm. or Cogra because mm. the yeah. fans aren't stupid, even though technically they're still in contention for the finals. Fans can fans know when the teams are uh, no good. Yeah. Well, anyway, so it'll be interesting to see what Mr. Volanis does with these new teams coming in. Like, you know, we've got uh, sixteen teams. Uh, Are they going to obviously bring in bring in a couple of teams, or is it? It'll be one. It'll be one team. team, One team initially, so there'll be a buy. And I'd hope that the team who has a buy goes out to the country or some regional area just to spread the. Spread the word for the game. That'd be a good thing to do, I think. Yeah. So, in, in order to answer your original question, yes, I think it's about time they had a second team in Brisbane. The Broncos have had it their own way for thirty-three years. They don't want competition up there because they know it's a huge market. So, it's every, like in, in Sydney, we just eat each other with like eight teams in Sydney or nine teams in Sydney. So, I think it's about time um, that a second team was did go in there, and it'll certainly sharpen the Broncos up for for everything. Well, that is full time. Jimmy, thank you so much. Uh, well played again today. And it was great to hear from the uh, legendary Spud Carroll, who's uh, yeah, well, on, on the book spruiking tour. Big Spud, he's doing a great job too. Um, yeah. But uh, good luck to your Tigers against the Panthers. I think they'll need it. And we'll talk <laughs> well, about Paramount. Good luck, to your, good luck to your Eels as well. <laughs> we'll talk about Paramount's magnificent upset win next week uh, over the Storm as they chase 20 yeah, straight okay. wins. Yeah, okay. Good luck. Yeah, you're, right you're in La La. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank All you, Jimmy. Best. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe. Enjoy the footy.